I'm Kate Daniels. Heart health. Keeping this small organ with a huge job ticking well and strongly means being aware of various things, and one of those is knowing our cholesterol numbers. Nearly one in three adults has high cholesterol. That should certainly grab our attention. And to get a clearer understanding, we're fortunate this morning to have with us a cardiologist, Dr. Rosemary Peterson, who works with this on a daily basis. We'll also meet a man, Joe Farrington, who will tell us about his experience with cholesterol, so we'll get quite a complete picture. First, Dr. Peterson. Dr. Rosemary Peterson, good morning, and so many thanks for being with us this morning. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. I... And really grateful because we're going to be talking about our heart, our heart health, specifically from the viewpoint of cholesterol, which I think is something that many of us might find a, a little mysterious and mind-boggling. So I really look forward to your uh, perhaps clearing up that picture for us as much as we possibly can. So I hope I can. I, you know, I think that we'll make good strides in that direction. So why don't we begin by maybe first figuring out, or you, you could tell us what cholesterol is. Sure. Well, cholesterol is an underrated risk factor for heart disease and stroke. Um, it is a waxy substance that our bodies make and uh, need to build cells. We need it. But most of us have too much of it, and that's when it becomes a problem. And so, too much of it, we will know that we have too much of it? How do we determine that? Well, we actually don't know, and that's, I think, why cholesterol is relatively underrated, because there are no symptoms until there is an event, like a heart attack or a stroke. So, a simple blood test can actually tell us where our cholesterol is at. So, we hear cholesterol bandied about quite a lot. Is that a blood test, is that part of a blood test naturally, or do we need to ask for it? Um, we need to ask for it. Uh, providers are getting better as far as prevention and risk factors because we realize that's the way to go. But it's a simple blood test, and the American Heart Association recommends that all adults over the age of 20 um, get a cholesterol test every four to six years. Now, that changes drastically for people who have multiple risk factors for heart disease and stroke or who already have experienced a heart attack or a stroke. So when it's done so infrequently, that must mean that a, a person is not considered to be at high risk and therefore uh, if those numbers come back at a kind of normal uh, level, then four to six years would be pretty appropriate. Yes, that's more in the screening realm. Now, my patients who are already seeing me because they have something going on, um, we check it a lot more frequently and um, recommend a diet, exercise, and uh, different types of medications that are specific for cholesterol. So back to what the cholesterol is, there are two types, correct? There are. Um, in simplistic terms, there's a good and a bad cholesterol that we're used to uh, thinking about. And the good cholesterol is usually, it's called the HDL, and it's usually associated with less risk of these bad events. And the bad cholesterol is the LDL, and it is associated with a higher risk of heart attack and stroke. And so... In a blood test, both of these numbers would uh, be present. 
Yes, that's correct. A simple blood test will give you the total cholesterol, the good and the bad, and a couple other um, items. And then there are fancier blood tests for people who have really high risk that can divide it in other components. So the thing is, we start with the basic. And at what age should we begin that kind of test? Well, the American Heart Association recommends 20 years or older, unless there's a very strong family history of um, uh, high cholesterol in the family or early heart attack or stroke. And then uh, people are being recommended to be testing in their teens and even in childhood. But for the most part, somebody without any risk factors, 20 years or older is recommended. In a way, that sounds really young to be thinking about that. But on the other hand, to get started at a young age to really live that healthy lifestyle, that would be kind of a major purpose there, wouldn't it? Well, it is. It's really um, based on prevention because we're finding that younger and younger people are having high cholesterol and uh, heart disease, and they don't even know it. So what... Other than, of course, a family history, what would then be the contributing factor that younger and younger people are experiencing this? Well, unfortunately, our American diet tends to be um, very unhealthy for the most part. So that is contributing to it. We are more sedentary than we used to be. So one of the areas of prevention is really as simple as eating better and eating less processed, eating whole natural foods, such as fruits, vegetables, whole grains, uh, keeping a mostly plant diet, but eating um, you know small amounts of uh, fresh fish, nuts, you know poultry, and staying away from the sugary stuff and the salt. All that stuff adds to our high cholesterol, as does smoking. Smoking does add to our cholesterol as well as uh, the risks. It makes our cholesterol um, go the wrong way. And so, ideally, uh, a person doesn't smoke, if they do, certainly get that um, out of your life right off the bat. That's correct. And so, But then after that, we need to institute a, a better eating plan. And, and you were mentioning our sedentary lifestyle, so some kind of exercise. Oh, yes. Physical activity is very important. Not only uh, does it help control our cholesterol levels, but it's paramount in uh, the control of people who have diabetes uh, and controlling weight and blood pressure. And then, of course, it really helps stress levels. So staying physically active is not only a uh, measuring stick for people developing symptoms and saying, hey, you know, I didn't have those symptoms before, but also to control all these risk factors. And we hear a lot in terms of the exercise, do this much, don't do this much. Well, I guess it doesn't say don't do too much. But uh, is there kind of an ideal or at least a baseline so that if we haven't been active, we should make that our goal? Well, I think part of it is just starting to move. Um, so a lot of people think that exercise is something that's very difficult, but you can incorporate it into our daily lives by just walking. Walking is very simple, and it doesn't have to be, okay, I have to plan two hours in my day, and I don't have it, so I'm not going to do it. Just 10 minutes at a time, and basically 30 minutes, you know, five or six days a week is really important. If you could just walk a little bit, it adds up. So if you haven't done anything, starting by simple walking is a good start. And I really appreciate hearing that. It's something I've kind of heard, of course, along the pathway and uh, find that because my work 
normally has me sitting that I really try to to get up and walk down the hall or up the stairs. Isn't that uh, also a helpful one to use stairs instead of... Oh, that's of... very much. You get your heart rate up, you start moving. In fact, they say sitting is the new smoking. So um, we sit a lot in our jobs and in our cars and on the highways. So it's really important that anytime we can just to squeeze 10, 15 minutes at a time. And if you do it several times a day, it adds up. So that's really heartening, I feel, is to think of it in those manageable bites, if you will, to really approach it in that way rather than thinking, oh, I have to get a gym membership and we we find all these obstacles. Oh, yes. No, it doesn't have to be that complicated. In fact, when we make it too complicated, we tend not to do it. Right. So we're what you're helping us to do, Dr. Peterson, is to keep it as simple and easy to do that fits into our life right now. We may have to change things like stop sitting at the computer for so long, but it's still as easy to get out and do uh, a few steps every every hour maybe. Yeah, they recommend that every uh, 60 to 90 minutes, if you're for hours on end sitting in front of a computer, that you get up and you take a little walk. Great. So there's a very simple thing. Uh, Getting those numbers, of course, knowing where we stand, and if they're good, that's great. Keep on working toward that direction and eating healthily. And as you said, um, with our our diet in, in our society, we seem to go for fast food a lot, uh, look at the restaurants around, but are they maybe, you know, when they introduce the salads into uh, their menu, are they really doing us a, a, a good favor or do we have to watch that, in fact? Well, I think you really have to watch it. And most places um, have attached a dietary information um, not all of them, but most of them do, but really kind of skipping the dressing or, and, you know, look at the salads, of course, vegetables and fruits are okay, but when you start adding things like, uh, you know, croutons and salad dressing and that, that you might as well get a burger at that point. Um, So it's really watching what you do. If you can make something at home where you know what's going into it, that is actually also the best. Or if it's something that is not packaged or in a can for long periods of time or has a lot of salt, um, that sort of thing is the best you can do. Terrific. So here we have, again, those baseline things that we can do. Should we find that those numbers, the cholesterol numbers, are in a a higher range, and we won't get into numbers because I I think they're very specific. But if they go into that not-so-great range, then there are medications, right? There are. First, and it depends on your risk factors, obviously, and there's different levels of um, accepted numbers for if you don't have any heart disease or if you do have risk factors such as diabetes and then if you do have heart disease. But the first thing is obviously diet and exercise and stopping smoking and things like that. But there are medications that are really important for the right person that are very effective in not only controlling your cholesterol but in mediating the risk factors and your risk of heart attack and stroke. And that's been proven over and over over the years. And so, again, that's a person-by-person basis, but would you say that even if those numbers get high, that we can focus on a healthier lifestyle, looking at the diet and exercise, that will help us get to uh, that healthy place we need to be? Yes, I think that is really important. I see it over and over again. Um, It's very important, even if you do have heart disease and have to take these medicines, that 
the medicines are not taking the place of the diet and exercise. So that's not going to change that. So diet and exercise play such a crucial role that um, we notice that people who have to take the medicines but incorporate the diet and exercise, they actually are able to take lower doses of the medicines or sometimes not at all. Yes, so that's really clear. Lifestyle does definitely need to change. Um, really, for all of us, it would be beneficial, but certainly if we're in a risk category, changing lifestyle along with using medication potentially. Yes, right. correct. So there's a great website, uh, I know, with the Heart Association. They are so committed to helping us be as healthy as we can. And then we have physicians, cardiologists like yourself, Dr. Peterson, you know, really stressing it here. Uh, the website, though, where we can get more information and more detail, would you share that with us? Sure. It is the American Heart Association uh, website at heart.org. Uh, backslash cholesterol tool, and it's on the American Heart Association website. Which is amazing. I w was just so impressed, at, overwhelmed in a way that there's so much detail there. Uh, obviously, the commitment is there for us to get healthy that uh, if we don't do it, it's just because we're not committed enough to our own health. That's important to be committed because nobody else is going to take care of it. So, and these are very simple ways without um, complicated gym memberships or initially huge expensive medications that we can take care of our health. So, in your role as a cardiologist in your work, are you seeing that we're making any kind of headway? Are, are you seeing fewer people maybe dealing with this health issue? Um, I see people who are ready have heart disease for the most part, but I spend a lot of time educating on what they need to do, and I we are finding that this is better. People don't smoke as much as they used to, and that is, we're growing a population of people that don't do that as much, and people are more aware, and I think that the American Heart Association has done a great job in putting the message out there, really associating it with your health. And of course, they're responsible for our having this connection this morning, and I am just so grateful that you are so committed and that you've taken this time with us this morning to give us some further insights and encouragement, Dr. Peterson. Thank you so greatly for the work you're doing and for being with us. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. So we've heard the science. We have the medical professional giving us the facts. We now are responsible for taking action in our own life. It may be helpful to hear a story, a true life story. Joe Farrington joins us after having suffered an episode not even two years ago. I feel Joe is here to help us learn an important life lesson. Potentially, Joe can help us get on the good, healthy heart path. So let's hear what Joe has to say. Joe Farrington, good morning. Thank you so greatly for being with us this morning. Thank you for having me. It is really, it feels like a gift. I'm sure you probably feel that it is a gift to, to be here now almost two years after having a pretty major heart episode. Yeah, 664 days to be exact. <laughs> oh, do you count this daily, <laughs> Joe? <laughs> I do count them every day. Every day is my new anniversary day. Oh, 
And that is so important for us to hear that every day is that anniversary day because two years ago you underwent um, heart surgery, correct? Yes, cardiac catheterization. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's... I had six stints placed in my heart. That's a bunch, isn't it? That's a lot. I was blocked up uh, 100% in one area and 80% in five other areas. So being blocked up 100%, uh, that doesn't sound like a very positive information that you got at that time. No, I shouldn't have been walking, but I still managed somehow. Well, maybe part of it was because you needed to be here to be sharing the story and inspiring us. And what led to those blockages was cholesterol, right? Yes, cholesterol and uh, poor eating habits and up and down on weight. After I retired from the military, I went up and down like a roller coaster on weight. I'd gain a lot, lose a lot, gain a lot, lose a lot. Uh, But really, I didn't pay any attention to my family history of high blood pressure and cholesterol and past heart attack history of my family as well. So I didn't pay any attention to it, and it eventually caught up to me. Did you not pay attention specifically, or were you perhaps a little oblivious to that having gone on? Uh, really just felt like it it wasn't going to happen to me. So I just felt that I had done enough in life being fit in the military and just never paid attention to it. Figured, you know, high blood pressure, cholesterol ran in the family. So it's just one of those things that you put up with and you accept as part of your DNA. But it really, really being oblivious to it is a good way to put it because I kind of lived in my own little bubble of, oh, I'm fine. I take my medicine. I'm good to go. So then what happened that that bubble began to burst? Well, the main thing was I thought I was just having food poisoning. One day, I thought I ate a bad sandwich at work, and I started feeling just, you know, sick to my stomach, stomach cramps, but also uh, moving around. I would just sweat more than normal, uh, just walking up and down a few flights of stairs, and it really took a lot out of me, which was weird, because I was running still, but I was heavier, probably the heaviest I've been, and uh, threw up, vomiting, just really all the signs pointed to food poisoning when I looked it up online, and my back was hurting, not my chest. My back had severe pain in it, but I had had a previous injury there, so I really didn't pay much attention to it. So it really started going downhill by not being able to do normal things. And that one particular night, almost two years ago now, I ignored that my high blood pressure went up to like 180 over 100. And I thought about going to the emergency room and said, "Eh, they'll just tell me it's food poisoning and I'll go home and rest and sleep it off. So I didn't bother to go see the doctor that night. But how long was it before you did end up back at the hospital? Uh, I went to the clinic the next day, and my blood pressure was still fairly high, 170 over 100, I think it was. They did an EKG. They listened to what I said about the food poisoning, and they said, well, yeah, probably have food poisoning, but since your blood pressure is high, we'll make you an appointment with the cardiologist. So they made an appointment with the cardiologist for a week later. I really was wiped out from the event. And 
I started doing a little bit of research online myself saying, well, you know, I could have had this thing called silent heart attack because symptoms are fairly similar to those of food poisoning. So I said, that could be. And then I went to the doctor and I said, my symptoms, he's like, well, my blood pressure had come down a little bit at that point. So I went to see him and he said, okay, we'll do a stress test. And that was a week later. So it's been two weeks. I was walking around, really wiped out. Couldn't go far. Luckily, I have a job that I could work from home a lot. So my boss was very nice about letting me do it because I said, I can't function normally. I can't get through a day. And I slept 10 to 12 hours, which is normally not my thing. I usually sleep a few hours and get up and go. But I couldn't move. I didn't have energy. So did the stress test. They stopped it after two minutes or less than that because the EKG just went crazy, so they simulated with an injection, the speeding up of the heart like it was under stress. And then they took some pictures, and then I had to come back the next day and take some pictures of the heart at rest. And then a week later, I got a call from the nurse's office that take a baby aspirin, lose some weight, and exercise some more. But it looks like you already had a heart attack. I said, hmm, so can you tell me when I had the heart attack by looking at it? No, it looks like you've had a previous MI. I said, well, I'm pretty sure I know what day it was. But, yeah. And that was September 29, 2016. So I said, no, I want to talk to the doctor in person and get a second opinion because there's something wrong. And so I went back to the doctors, told them what was going on, told them three weeks later I still couldn't move, still couldn't function properly. I said, there's something wrong, but I just don't know whether it's heart-related, still wasn't having chest pain. He called in a, another surgeon, and he listened to my story, my family history. said, yeah, we probably should go take a look. So uh, Halloween night, I went in for cardiac catheterization, and he's like, we got a lot of work to do in here. So I ended up having two separate surgeries, one to put the first five stints in it, and then they had to take me off the table because they had too much dye in my system could affect the kidneys. So I had to come back another nine days later and get the last stint put in the right coronary artery and it was amazing how much oxygen in your bloodstream makes you feel alive. That was an incredible couple of months and I think that there was a reason for your really being able to come through it so you can share this story and be an encouragement because wasn't that a real turning point in your life that you did make some lifestyle changes? Yeah, a complete 180. I just turned everything around from, you know, my wife and I went through all the cupboards and looked at all the processed foods and all the different ingredients and looked at where we ate and how we ate. So we changed our diet, mostly vegan, some fish, very, very little meat once in a while, but changed the complete diet, started exercising three or four times a week, started losing the weight. And it just made a huge difference. But running was the one thing I always did when I wanted to lose weight throughout my life. So I said, well, I'm going to run again and I'm going to beat this thing. So that's what we started doing two days after my last surgery. I signed up for 5K four months later. We ran that four months later. And then how many of them have you done now within this two-year period? Uh 27 5Ks, three 5-milers, 
two 10Ks. You are obviously really on a mission here to stay very, very fit and healthy. And are you? Yes. As a matter of fact, I did my two-mile run this morning. I am staying fit, healthy. Uh, I usually try to run an organized event every week and pick different events that support various uh, charities and things like that. So it's awesome. My wife runs with me, so... Sometimes I beat her, sometimes she beats me, but I just say, well, yeah, you beat a cardiac patient. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I feel proud of that, right? (laughs) But you can tell the difference. You were saying what oxygen does in your system. You can tell that you're feeling so differently than you did two to three years ago. Oh, yeah, immediately you, you feel everything open up, so to speak. I mean, I could just feel like I was breathing better, my body was healthy, as your cholesterol builds up in your bloodstream over time, your body adapts. You know, your body is such an amazing machine. It adapts even though it's so gradual, you don't notice that you're slowly dying, <laughs> yeah. that your body is slowly depriving and dying of oxygen because the body tries to react and, and recover from that. But it's a huge difference once you feel the arteries open up and blood flow in and the oxygen in your system. So the year before my heart attack, I ran the same course that we ran after my heart attack. And after my heart attack, my time was four minutes faster for the three miles than it was the year before because I had more oxygen yes, and more energy. Right. <laughs> and I was doing the right things with my body. So that helped. That is, it's so incredible and, of course, inspiring. So with this story, in itself, the story speaks volumes, but what would you specifically want people to know about cholesterol? Well, pay attention to your family history on cholesterol, high blood pressure. Pay attention to the numbers. Know the difference between the HDL and the LDL number. The HDL I call the happy cholesterol number and the LDL I call the loser number. You don't want that too high, uh, but you want the happy cholesterol levels high. Not only discuss the risks with your doctor, but actually do some research yourself and figure out the other types of information. They test for triglycerides. If they're high, that tends to be more of a sticky point for cholesterol to build up in your arteries. So trying to educate yourself a little bit more to make informed discussions with the doctor and Take your medication, but don't rely on the medication because the medication will lower your numbers. But if you're taking the medication and you're still not dieting and you're still not exercising and you're eating junk food all the time like I was, then eventually it'll catch up with you. So make sure you pay attention. The medicine is great. It's great that they have the modern technology and the types of medicines they have to fight the cholesterol. But if you don't help yourself, with the exercise and the eating habit, you'll still put yourself at risk. And you are a really great role model for your family, for your kids. You're really promoting them toward good health. Yes, my daughter has always been healthy. She's been a coach and gymnastics instructor, but she at high cholesterol and high blood pressure results come back as well, part of the genetic thing. So now she's aggressively treating that as well as, you know, eating differently. She exercises a lot, but 
she had bad eating habits like me. So now she's actually paying attention a lot more. And the rest of my family is supportive. So that helps immensely when you do it as a team effort within the family. If something happens to someone, your lifestyle has to change. So with them being willing to make the lifestyle change with you, that just helps mentally to keep you motivated. Absolutely. You have just shared such an immense amount of important information. Coming from the standpoint of your personal experience, I'm just so grateful that you are so willing to be so generous with your time and information, Joe. It's been such a pleasure to hear your story and to celebrate another anniversary with you. Yes, thank you very much for having me, and I appreciate the opportunity to spread the word. It just helps me, and then there's other support groups, as well as the American Heart Association support groups. They've been great in going to the cholesterol summits and speaking to various doctors. It's been an amazing experience to get more educated on stuff I should have paid attention to years ago. I tell people at the end of speaking to them, I say the freedom of choice is a wonderful thing. Why you have the freedom of choice to make it choice to change your lifestyle, change your health, make it now before it becomes something you have to do to keep yourself alive, like me. So the freedom of choice is a wonderful thing. I had it. I had access to medical care. I had access to medicines. I had access to good doctors, but still did not pay attention. So my freedom of choice to live healthy was somewhat quashed, but now I've made a rebound. I tell people, don't be like this, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> well, they have that choice too, but hopefully they've really sincerely heard with their open heart your story and your messages. And again, I'm so grateful that you've shared all of that with us this morning. Thank you, Joe. Thank you.